Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, IBM TV, and of course, Big Vine Entertainment, where you can view the show online, on TV, on Amazon. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us. I want to get right to uh, our guest. Of course, he is a former NFL uh, player, wide receiver, uh, kick returner. He did it all for Dallas and uh, the Broncos, of course. He is uh, Butch Johnson. And Butch, always a pleasure to have you. And uh, I hope all has been well uh, throughout this COVID uh, time. Uh, LA, thanks for having me. You know, it's always uh, good to be on your show, man. You, you do it first class and you do it, you've been doing it that way for years and years, man. So it's always uh, a pleasure to me come on. Uh, well, the pandemic, of course, is the problem, really, or was. Yeah, the pandemic was something else. I, I appreciate the, the kind words. Uh, I, I look, wanted to have you on. The NFL, obviously, is a money machine. They print money. Uh, and I think it was inevitable for people to to understand that at some point, all the rumors and even the negotiations between the Players Association and the, uh, the NFL, that they would add a regular season game to the schedule, making it 17. So my question is, first, um, obviously they do it for, for profit, but um, were you surprised that it took so long to happen? And, and what's your thoughts on it? Uh, personally, it's the same number of games uh, that when I played. Uh, we had six preseason games, and we had 14 regular season games, and then we went to 16 regular season games and four preseason games. I don't know about anybody else, but if you've ever been in an NFL game, I can't tell the difference playing from a preseason game to a regular season game. Guys will knock the crap out of you in both games. So the only difference is, is that they're going to get a regular season paycheck. Well, when I played, the average uh, uh, payroll for each ball club, 32 different ball clubs, was $5.5 million. That was split between 52 players. Today, it is $180 million split between 53 players. So when you add a 17th game, it's, to me, it doesn't affect the player as much as it affects the payroll for the NFL. That's what they're doing. But they've already, they've already made moves on that by $180 million. I mean, $180 million is split. You have guys making 30 40 50 $10 million, $50 million. The average salary is about $2.5 million. And you make that average salary in three years if you're in the NFL. So at 22, you get drafted. By the time you're 25, you've averaged about 2.5 million, which means you've gotten six million dollars out of the league before you even get started. So that's just my personal opinion about it. I I don't see if it makes that much of a difference. Hello? Did I lose you or what? Hello? Hello?
we do apologize for the technical difficult there. Um, still have Bush Johnson on the line. Get to him in five seconds here. Do apologize to the audience. Bush, I apologize, and I heard what you uh, said. I think my response, though, would be it's funny that you would bring up, you know, the past and you guys already played the game, but, you know, really talk about the salaries and the differences and the fact that you guys played and, like you said, smash mouth football and getting knocked all, all over the place, that, you know, you paved the way for some of the big salaries that we see currently in the NFL. Uh, oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, um, matter of fact, I was talking about um, – I was looking at television and Goodell and the rest of them were talking about sending your best – uh, end zone dad, sending your best spike, sending your best everything, right? Well, when I played, there was, you know, there was two guys that were really out there in the entertainment deal. Part of it, one was me uh, doing the California quake, and one was Billy White Shoes Johnson. There was nobody else. And at that time period, they didn't find Billy White Shoes Johnson, nor did they tell him to stop doing what he was doing but told me I could no longer do the California Quake. I could not, no longer do end zone dancing. I could no longer do entertainment, the entertainment part of the business, because it was all about statistics, and it was about uh, how many catches you had or how many times you ran, and the coaches were the stars. But what I believed was the players were the stars, and that we had to get our face on the other side of the face mask. So did it hurt my career? You're darn right. When you stick yourself out there when nobody else will stick themselves out there and you have players on your team saying, saying, even saying at that time period, you're a distraction. But now those same players who are now older are capitalizing on that too, of the entertaining part of this. And every day I look at, if I look at the television, I see one after another after another NFL players who are getting commercials, who are getting into the mainstream of entertainment. And at that time period, they would not allow you to do that. The coaches, fine. You know, their hats, their discipline, their suits. But that wasn't the case in that time period for the players. They wanted you to act like a soldier. And that was it. So there was no entertainment value. And then, of course, now you look at it, and it's nothing but entertainment. Guys doing all kinds of dances in, yeah. the, in the league, and oh, and even the coaches have these. Running, uh, yeah, and, a whole team running to the end zone. I mean, right? Really, yeah, and that's where the money came in because now all of a sudden it was entertainment. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. I apologize. We're going. No, no, that's fine. I was going to say, and even the coaches have theatrics that you know are allowed to to get away with things. There, there's uh, there's very few stoic type Tom Landry's just kind of, you know, uh, prowling right. down the, the sideline. You got coaches doing and saying things um, during and after the game uh, and nothing gets happened. Uh, nothing happens. No. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was listening. And, you know, wouldn't you say – uh, obviously, the NFLPA has always been sort of under uh, being scrutinized, at least these days. Uh, where did they go wrong in terms of uh, solidarity and really fighting 
um, in my opinion, uh, for the players? Well, I don't know. If, if you're making $40 million a year and you're the commissioner and the NFL is paying the salary, what would you do? Mm. I mean, what would you do? That, I mean, that's just a fact. You know, that's not, you know, even the pension. It's not paid by the NFLPA. Right. Players' pensions are played by, paid by who? The NFL. So the Canton Hall of Fame, which, you know, I've been there a couple of times and probably you guys have too, it's not a place that I would go back to if I didn't have to. You know, it's just not a place I would go back to, right? But the NFL supports that too. They support everything that's out there. And so the salary caps, they support and caduce to them. So now it's the entertainment business versus industry, in the entertainment industry, versus statistics. So why I mentioned Canton is that the people there in Canton, most of them, it was all about statistics. If you have the statistics, then you can get in. It wasn't about anything else or anything bringing to the industry. The entertainment value that has happened, that becomes less and less something important because now you're, you're dealing with Hollywood. So if the next step will be for the NFL, and I think for the NFL, Patton Hall of Fame should be moved to Hollywood. And the reason for that is because it's now an entertainment game, so people could come in and see the guys who are have been inducted. Because to get to Canton, you got to fly into Cleveland, then you got to drive down to Canton, and then there's no hotels in Canton, and then all these things you have to go through just to get there for 300 guys that have been enshrined there. So why not move it to where people can see these guys who did play the game, who did earn that, and who did it statistically? You're better than everybody else. Mm. Yeah, I think it's evident uh, that it's going to be going that way or it's going that way as, you know, you look at now uh, Las Vegas has a football team. And, you know, I mean, you know, that's the the betting capital of of everything, uh, especially with the NFL. And that was the number one thing, L.A. I didn't mean to keep interrupting you, but that was the number one thing and the point you did. That was the number one thing. You could not go places that gambling would exist, which meant when I played, I could not go to Vegas. I could not go see a fight. I could not be in a casino. I could not be caught gambling at any time. Now you have a team, and, oh, that's okay. Right. Because now it's entertainment. It's okay. So he ruined a lot of guys' careers because they were seen in those places. They were seen next to guys who might not be the A-plus person in America, and they were seen next to them, might not have done anything to them or with them. But they were just slammed down, man, and crushed careers because of who you ran into. Now, the whole NFL is sleeping there. I mean, they got a bedroom there, you know? So it's just... It's just been a hypocritical thing over a number of years. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely it, uh, been a, a change over the years. Uh, we, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Butch Johnson, former uh, NFL uh, football player, very talented, played really well in the Super Bowls with the, the Dallas Cowboys against my Steelers. Butch, I want to tell you understood. about that. 
I, well, you know, we didn't we didn't win against them, but um, but there it was great games, you know, throughout the years, and they were probably the biggest challenge that that we had at that time period. And for whatever reason, we matched up. Everybody matched up pretty well, and um, it was just great games and um, physical games, but you know, great games to, to play in because that's what you want, you know, when you are at that level. You want to play against the best. And, they were the best, and we were the best in my, in my mind. So, um, win them, win them. But three, three points here, two points there. You know, it's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. great games. You're right. Uh, speaking of uh, the current uh, or going to the current uh, Dallas Cowboy team, you look at Dak Prescott. Uh, I mean, everybody's heart dropped when he got hurt, and you can see the pain, the effort that he puts in. Um, you know, with him coming back to this team, uh, what are you? What's the prediction you think will happen with this team? And, and, and especially when you take a look at the division that's changed, the Giants, the new, you know, quarterbacks only been there for a few years. Uh, Philly totally got a, a new quarterback starter, and you know, when you look at this 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 NFC East. What do you think uh, is going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys, especially with that coming back? I think he's been a great player. You know, and it was obvious last year when he did get hurt. You know, they went into a crash, crash and die type of situation. It was like, you know, you're dropping a bomb out of the air and everything just blew up. But, you know, it hasn't been like, you know, like they've been winning 10, 11, 12 games a year. That hasn't been their M.O., even with him there. So I'm praying that his his legs recover um, and that he can play again. I mean, because it is, you know, that critical. So the second that you move and you go move around and the flexibility and all the things that happen, you know, my prayers are out that he can play. Just he can right. set up and play. And you have moved around him offensive linemen that can protect him and running backs that can protect him. And, and and it was very clear that he was the show last year. And other people thought differently. He was the show. And um, that's what I'm hoping they do to try and protect him first. Um, coming back, I mean, they developed some talent. I mean, they drafted defense this year. Uh, but still in all, who – on that ball club has won anything. And we're talking about won anything for 25 years. So I'm also talking about the guys who played before them and who were there, who were their leaders. They never won. I mean, that's not, yeah, even, that's, even, that's not a crazy Even before that's Tony Romo, too. Uh, yeah, but even before yeah, Tony yeah. Romo. Yeah. Tony Romo. They, they haven't won. So the, the amazing thing to me and the brilliance of Jerry Jones. And some guy told me, he was talking, matter of fact, he was talking about the Steelers, Calvin Sweeney. We played in college together, you know, and then he ended up going to UFC. And Calvin Sweeney was a receiver for Pittsburgh in, in the 70s. And he told me, he says, yeah, man, uh, you know, we sell more jerseys than anybody else in the NFL. I said, I don't think Jerry Jones cares too much about that. I said he's a $6.8 billion operation, 
He's the number one sports organization in the world. I don't think he cares about jerseys too much. So my point is, is that he has managed to do that with this ball club. But on the other side of it, the ball club, either internally or externally, I was talking to another player I used to play with, Doug Downey, we said the same thing. We, we made ourselves accountable for each other, to each other, in order to perform at a great level or high level. We averaged 12 wins a year. I guarantee you, over the last decade, they've averaged six. I guarantee you. You know, I don't see it as more than that. It could be seven, eight, but who cares? It's not a playoff team. It's not even a, a team that would move up into the division or or the NFC championship game or even the Super Bowl. And it's been like that for 25 years, if not hmm. more. So that's a fact. So these aren't the Cowboys you knew years ago. The talent is not is not there. So it, it, they're being paid a lot. That is clearly for sure. And that Prescott, it was very clear that without him, they're going to have, if he's not there, they're going to have some serious problems. And um, they've added nobody new that can help. I mean, defensively, I think if their defense comes around or if the coaching staff comes around, you know, then they might have a shot. But if you look at it, it's been a 25-year run, man, with nothing. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about money being made. Dak uh, Forbes estimates Dak Prescott um, as the fourth highest paid athlete in the world. He's making over 107.5. And you're right. Jerry Jones not only gets the the jerseys, but, you know, look at all the big events that's happening at that new stadium. So – um, you know, he's right. he's definitely getting it done uh, from that standpoint. Uh, yeah, exactly. Plus, we're short on time, too. I, I got to go, but I appreciate your time. I'm going to rebook you so we can get a full, say, half hour in. But thanks for coming on, man, and I appreciate your your time and your insight. Yeah, man, I, I'm sorry I was late, man, and uh, don't hold it against me. Thank you. No, I appreciate no, you coming on your show, man. Thanks, Butch. Appreciate you, man. Bye, guys. All right. Plus, former NFL player with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, of course, drafted by the Denver Broncos and went on to have an exciting career with Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, against my Steelers, played really well in those Super Bowls. It's the Bassett News Radio Show. Stay tuned. Month has become widely recognized and does an outstanding job of celebrating recovery, increasing awareness, and acknowledging the amazing work of providers, advocates, people in recovery, and their families. I believe our work together is helping many Americans better understand, seek out, attain, and sustain recovery. 
What began as a small and very good idea has grown into a national, mainstream, sustained, and systematic public education and support effort, all focused on the message that people recover. Getting the message of recovery right is critical because people take action based on what they hear and see and, most importantly, what they experience. Experience shapes our knowledge, our values, our attitudes, our beliefs, and our action. Of those who recognized their need for treatment but didn't receive care, the number one reason was no health coverage and could not afford the cost. No one in need should be denied the opportunity for treatment and recovery in our country. show the Bassett News radio show on the Bassett News radio network WCOM at Chapel Hill Carborough and of course uh, IBM TV and Big Mind Entertainment I'm LA Bassett thanks for joining us appreciate you as we go to our guest always good to have him on to talk about the game that he loves of soccer he's a soccer a writer and a lover and NBA um writer as well, knowledgeable of the NBA. He's Andrew Dixon. And Andrew, I appreciate your patience, man, for coming on this evening. Not a problem. I was glad to come on and talk about the beautiful game. Uh, so the beat goes on uh, for this USA men's team after the, the uh, thrilling and comeback and, you know, stellar win against Mexico. They come back and take care of business uh, pretty much easy, easy um, it seemed. Uh, for for nothing against Costa Rica. Talk about that game and and sort of the highlights of of what how they got it done. Uh, pretty much riding the wave. Uh, you know, Berhalter was able to bring in. Uh, he changed the lineup a little bit, rest some players, bring in some new players. We got to finally see uh, Daryl DK from uh, Orlando City, uh, who had a brilliant loan spell with Barnsley in the second division of uh, of. Uh, in England, um, almost made himself a cult hero there. Um, he was able to get on the score sheet. Um, he, just a good comprehensive win for the United States coming off of that, that an emotional win. Um, I was really kind of disappointed with Costa Rica. Costa Rica has been really one of the top teams in CONCACAF over the last, uh, you know, eight to ten years. Um, always one of those teams that seems to uh, to give the United States problems. Uh, so for them to, to fold the way they did against the United States, um, this is going to be interesting uh, as you know, World Cup qualifying starts um later on this year to see how much they really have left. I mean, a lot of their, you know, their top names uh, um, are, are starting to fade off and they're bringing in new players in. And I'm wondering if there's going to be that major of a drop off uh, for Costa Rica. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, the United States, you know, they you know, played who was in front of them, took care of business. Um, and so now really, their eyes turned towards the Gold Cup, which was going to be starting. They start group play um, on on the 11th of July, um, and that is, you know, you hear about the Euros and, and the Copa America, which is going on right now. Well, this is our this is the Concacaf's uh, answer to that. That's the, the Concacaf Gold Cup, and that will uh, that will really decide, um, you know, 
you know, once again, who's the kings of CONCACAF? The United States, is it Mexico? Uh, you know, is it Costa Rica? Is it Jamaica? Well, they have finally get a chance uh, to, to claim that crown. So, you know, really, you know, things are kind of wound down from that, that nation league and from that group of games, and you really you know, start looking at um, the, the, the Gold Cup. Um, he's already, uh, Greg Brohalter has already put forth a provisional roster of about 59 players. Uh, obviously, there won't be that many uh, for the actual tournament. He'll pare that down to about 23, but, you know, some notable names on there. Um, you see Brad Guzan getting a, another look. Uh, Josie Altidore, longtime stalwart with the United States team, uh, being called back in after being out of um, uh you know, kind of out of favor as, as you know, looking at towards younger uh, forwards like George Sargent um, and, and, of course, Daryl Dike, as I just mentioned. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, you won't see Christian Pulisic in this match up. Uh, you won't see uh, some of the other big-name players that you saw uh, as they get back, you know, Weston McKinney, you know, Tyler Adams, as they get ready for their European seasons because this uh, tournament is going to be going kind of late, starting in July and ending, you know, late July and into August when, uh, you know, the European preseasons have already started, so you won't see a lot of those big-name players. But, you know, see, you'll see a lot more MLS players. You'll still see, you know, the likes of uh, Sebastian Legette, who, uh, you know, played a lot during the Nations League. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, the beat goes on, you know, as, as you know, want to have a good showing with the Gold Cup, get some momentum going as we look forward to World Cup qualifying. Uh, it used to be the hexagonal and now be the, oct- uh, the octagonal, as opposed to we have eight teams now uh, as we look forward to the start of that in the end of the year. As you mentioned, uh, the, the, the coaching having – so many players to choose from, and you mentioned that maybe they're going with younger forwards and, and looking at that. But what type of mix do you expect? You've you got to have some veteran, veteran lead, leadership on the team, you know, along the days of Landon Donovan and, and, and so on and so forth. So what do you see the mix will finally be with this team going into the Gold Cup? Yeah, I'm expecting to see um, – I expect to see a kind of a younger side. Um, the Gold Cup is important. Um, we do want to win this, but you know, I think with the understanding that the big prize really is is World Cup qualifying. You know, he's going to be looking at you know who's going to be ready, who's going to come in and contribute when we get ready for World Cup qualifying. Yes, he wants to go out and win this. He wants to have um, he, he wants to have a, a team that's going to be you know confident. You know, wants to have a team that's going to be playing well. You know, you still see Reg, you know the likes of Reggie Cannon who's still young, but is, you know, established himself in Portugal. You know, you still have, uh, you know, possibility of Brad Guzan, as I mentioned. You know, Bill Hamid is another one who's had uh, experience with the national team. Uh, so, um, but this will really be a, a, a really proving ground for some of these players to really kind of make a statement. Julian Green is another one, you know, who was a controversial selection to the 2014 World Cup, but hasn't really reestablished himself with the national team. You're looking at Walker, Walker Zimmerman, uh, Zimmerman uh, who's been, you know, a very good MLS defender, but hasn't quite you know, really crack the squad when it comes to the United States. So, you know, this would be a time for our players to really kind of make their claim, 
to be counted upon when it comes to World Cup qualifying. So um, I, I think there's going to be a competitive camp coming up. You know, I think you're going to have a lot of players that are going to be really getting after it. Um, you might, you know, kind of retain a Jose Altidoro, who's he's kind of out of favor with Toronto right now. In fact, um, you know, it's not that he's out of contract, but he doesn't seem to be figuring into the plans of Chris Armas. So he's going to be looking to reestablish himself, um, not just as a national team prospect, but, you know, and as someone to contribute for the national team still, but just really, you know, kind of, re- you know, cementing his his identity, recementing uh, his reputation as a, as a United States forward. Um, so it's going to be a real competitive camp, I think. Um, I think the team that comes out of it will be, as I mentioned, I mean, you're seeing a lot of younger players uh, with not a whole lot of experience um, with the national team uh, for the most part, if you're looking up and down the, the you know, the roster of names that have been uh, put forth. Um, that being said, you know, the, these guys are going to get after it. They really want to make their – make their case for World Cup qualifying. We're talking with uh, uh, Andrew Dixon, of course, here on the Bastard News Radio show on the Bastard News Radio Network. Andrew, going to MLS uh, soccer, when you look at the the international play, they're going to be resuming, they started resuming play, uh, of course. And, you know, when you take away players to play, in the CONCACAF or you play the Gold Cup, it takes away from, you know, the teams that are playing in, you know, ML, MLS and other leagues. Uh, you look at this this league, I mean, Seattle is supposed to be the front runners. They're still comfortable at the Western Conference. You get the LA Galaxy has been sort of a surprise, some people say. And then you have a team like Portland who's been sort of decimated with injuries and, and been it's been a struggle for them uh, moving forward. Assess the league right now, the uh, Western and the Eastern Conference there. Uh, well, there's only one unbeaten team left, and that's Seattle, as you mentioned, uh, sitting with uh, what's, how many points they got here. They got 21 points, uh, sitting on top of the Western Conference. Uh, they're playing well, and they're doing so without Jordan. Uh, you know, they they've lost people like uh, Jordan Morris, who've gone over to uh, to England uh, and. Uh, into play, although he's injured now, so he won't be seeing him anytime soon. But you know they're getting, you know they're getting that, you know they're, they're putting a good play together. You know, um, you know they're actually at 21 points. Uh, New England, you know, coached by uh, Bruce Arena, uh, at 20 points, uh, top of the Eastern Conference. Um, so you know it, it's that's one of the you you mentioned teams having to kind of work around. Uh, these international tournaments, um, you know, there's a lot of MLS players that are uh, featuring in, in Copa America, you know, for, you know, Venezuela and Peru. Um, and, you know, when you get to the Gold Cup, you're going to have, you know, again, the significant, uh, as you say, decimation uh, of players that are going to be going on to the national team. And so it makes, it's one of those things that when you sign up to coach for uh, the United States, uh, or coach in MLS, uh, you got to take that into consideration. So it's it's important when you're developing, you know, a lot of these teams, they have, you know, what we would call minor leagues, you know, the minor league players, um, they bring those players up from their development, uh, developmental squads and from their A-league squads and, and make sure they're able to fill in those gaps. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's, when you talk about MLS, I mean, we're into, you know, really the 25th, 26th year of this league, you know, and this is a league that, you know, people thought would go away after five years. They wouldn't think it was lasting. You know, here we are. We, you're still adding new teams. You know, you have uh, 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 
uh, Austin FC, who just played their first home game. Um, you know, they're still, you know, they're what are they on uh, nine points right now? Um, but they're still, you know, the league is still adding teams. So I think, you know, with all the difficulties and with all of the the challenges that MLS has endured in its 25 years, the fact that you know we have you know 27 teams in this league right now. You know, right. and, and, and it's continued to expand. You know, I think they're trying to, you know, there's been talk they're trying to get up to 30 teams. Uh, so this league continues to grow and it continues to feed players, um, not only to the national team, but, you know, the league is going to start, it's already becoming, you know, what, you know, other leagues are referred to as a selling league where teams, you know, they're selling their players off to uh, to European squads. You know, Daryl Dike, as I mentioned, uh, playing, he's back in training with Orlando City, um, and, and they certainly could use them as they're as they're trying to chase down uh, New England for that top spot in the English uh, in the Eastern Conference, about five points back, tied with Philadelphia. Uh, but you know, Daryl Dike is you know he's fielding offers from you know other European teams. You know, and so you know it's it's just another sign that this league you know with all of the challenges uh that has been thrown at it you know with the you know contraction of the teams in florida back in the early 2000s and you know this you know salary uh issues and things like that and you know playing in you know big empty stadiums and now these they're playing in their own stadiums you know they're making their own money you know and and they're attracting leagues you know they're attracting uh players from leagues in south america and you know some from europe but um and you know uh gonzaga Uyuin, you know he was, you know, played in the 2014 World Cup, you know, with alongside uh, Lionel Messi, um, longtime player in Italy. His brother was already in the league, and you know, when he was brought over to play in Miami, he kind of joked, like, you know, I thought this league would be so easy that I could play, you know, with a cigarette in my mouth. And and I'm finding <laughs> out that this league is actually, you know, there's talent here. You know, you, you've got to work in this league. You know, and he's he's finding that out. And and you know, as the you know, as this league continues to develop, you know, we got to remember, you know, this league, as I mentioned, it's only 25 years old. When you're thinking about, you know, the Mexican League, you're talking about, you know, the English Premier League, um, you know, the English First Division and all these these top leagues uh, that are, you know, well-known. You know, the United States is, you know, here in MLS, we're, we're, we're holding our own here. And, and I think that's one of the most positive things you can say about MLS. Right, and uh, it's fitting you and funny you should say that um, as the WNBA is in their 25th season. So Absolutely. I don't think uh, I don't think you know MLS gets enough credit for all. I mean, everything going around sports wise with COVID and stuff, and they're still standing. They're still standing, yes, and they still yes, still have some some, some great play. Uh, I want to switch gears real quick before we run out of time and and go to the NBA and you know. You and I talked about the Utah uh, team, if they can get out of there as the one seed. They had a phenomenal regular season. Um, But, you know, as you mentioned before, A, you live and die by that jump shot. And Donovan Mitchell, I mean, let's just say, I mean, if he had some more help, it might have been a different story. We don't know. He played really well, even with injuries. But also, in game six, I mean – Talk about the open looks the Clippers had. They made a lot of shots, but, you know, the rotation wasn't there. And I think Utah made a mistake keeping Gilbert in the game. I mean, he looked like a fish out of water defensively. He didn't know where to guard because the Clippers stayed on the perimeter, knocked it down, came way back, and won the series. Um, I'm not going to put this on Gobert, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, 
you, you, people want to talk about well, he should never be defensive player of the year and everything else ever again. Here's the thing. Defense does not begin or end with the center. It begins with whoever is guarding out on the perimeter. And Utah's guards' inability to keep Reggie Jackson – Reggie Jackson, they couldn't keep Reggie Jackson. Now, hey, look, I, you know, I grew up, I'm a BC guy, you know, I grew up, you know, 10 minutes from Boston College campus. I remember Reggie Jackson, you know, he was a great player for BC. But Reggie Jackson, they made Reggie Jackson look like an all-star because they could not keep him out of the paint. Simple dribble penetration is what killed uh, Utah, Okay. Not so much Rudy Gobert having to, you know, run around and guard three people every time, you know, someone got into the lane. The fact that even Donovan Mitchell could not keep Reggie Jackson out of the paint, and that's ultimately where that game was lost. You know, yes, Utah, they went cold, as you know, as I figured that they would. You know, they went cold from, uh, you know, from outside. You know, yes, it was a 26-point lead or whatever it was. I mean, you can't blow that type of lead in a in a elimination game. But, yes, they went cold, but the, ultimately it's defense in the playoffs that really gets it done, okay? And, yes, L.A. started – they were making shots, but they were getting open looks, as you said. What Utah was hitting in the first half of that game was, you know, contested shots. I mean, they were hitting some tough, tough shots, okay? And they make those shots. But when you get cold, you know, what is it that they do? Hey, Donovan Mitchell, bail us out. Okay, so he can't right. – he did what he could, but he can't do it all. And so – you got to play the other side. You got to play defense, and no one was able to stop dribble penetration. And when you stop, when you get dribble penetration, it turns into what essentially was a college game. It was get into the lane and kick it out for a three, and they did it time and time and time again. So I'm not going to put this one so much on Rudy Gobert. You know, you can't if you if your guards can't keep you know, the opposing players' guards out of the paint. That's a recipe for disaster, and that's what happened time and time again. No, they should have blown yeah. a 26-point lead, but defensively they faltered, you know, and, and, and that was just they couldn't, they couldn't guard anybody out on the perimeter, and that's where, that, well, that's where I, they lost that game. I, I think Gobert is certainly a defensive player year, so I, I wouldn't have gone that far to say, oh, he should have never won. But I thought Quinn Snyder should have, change the rotation he, he they didn't do enough defensively you're right they didn't guard but maybe if if those guards are not getting it done i mean ty Lue, you see what he did he changed he i mean he evolved he he's you know it's a reason why he won a title i know they want to put it on lebron and kyrie but ty ty tyro ty, ty uh lou is a ty lou is a very good uh coach and i thought he outcoached Quinn snyder in that that series. Um, switching to Philly, my Sixers, and Atlanta, um, I, you know, my kids were killing me. Hey, Trey Young's going to do it. I'm like, no, there's no way they go into game seven and win in Philly. But like I said to you, Andrew, I've been saying for two years, uh, Ben Simmons, just it's just not working with him and Embiid. It's not. You can't score four points in the fourth quarter. You can't take four shots in game seven um, and not give them any offense and hope that your defense is going to be so spectacular that it's just going to seal the deal. It's time for him to move on. They have to move on from this kid. Um, But 
you know, Doc Rivers, too, under scrutiny. I mean, you see the Clippers making it to the conference finals for the first time. That was his team, um, and they get there. And once again, he struggles in a game seven. I'm not putting it all on, on him, but I really think that Philly in the end, and give credit to Atlanta, a, a young team that just kept coming back, and Trey Young and uh, Capello and all those guys doing what they did. But Embiid has to go. If this team wants to get to the next level, they have to make a move, um, and he certainly can't be in the future, in my opinion. You're talking about Ben Simmons can't can't be in the future. I mean Ben Sim Ben Simmons, yeah. right? Yeah, I my it's beyond only taking four shots. I was telling my wife this uh, uh, earlier today is that in the last four games, in the fourth quarter, he took no shots. Games four through seven. He took no shots in the fourth quarter. Yep. This is supposedly your second best player, you know. And, and and like you said, you can't expect, you know, it's not if that's going to be your if that's how you're going to approach a game, then your defense has to be so amazing. All right, there's only one player who's ever done that, and that's Dennis Rodman, and he's in Hall right. of Fame. He's, right. Ben Simmons is no Dennis Rodman. You know, uh, you know, I'm quoting uh, Lloyd Benson here. I, I, you know, I, I know Dennis Rodman. <laughs> you know Dennis Rodman. Um, but that was and, – and, but beyond that, beyond that, beyond that, they turned the ball over 17 times last night. 17 times in a game seven. You are not – you can't win – you can't win most games. But in a game seven against a hungry opponent – you can't win a game and that and, and turn the ball over 17 times, you know. And, and you know, and I, I get, you know, when you're the coach, you, it's, it's, you know, the scrutiny is going to come down on you. But Doc Rivers wasn't out there turning the ball over 17 times. <laughs> That's right. You're right. You're right. And 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 and, and, and Embiid had a had a. You know, I mean, that wasn't so much that was a turnover. I mean, that was a great play by Gallinari to you know knock the ball away from him and um, and uh, Horder to hit him on the uh, hit on the break, and that that pretty much ended the game right there. Uh, but as you said Atlanta came to play uh, and you talk about Trey Young who actually had an off night shooting last night and didn't really come yeah. alive until the fourth quarter but for all of the faces all of the gas faces that Seth Curry was making Kevin Horder, Horder was lighting him up all hmm. night long could not guard him you know and so for all of the faces that that you know Seth Curry was making and all the demonstrative stuff he couldn't guard he couldn't guard this kid and this kid was knocking down jumper after jumper shot 56% from, you know, from the field last night. What was it, 10 of 18? It, you know, and, and made big shot after big shot after big shot. You know, and, that, and again, we come back to defense, you know, and, and, you, you, and the NBA is really about matchups. All these pick yep. and rolls that you see is about getting the one matchup that you want that you can take advantage of. All right, and that's what Herder did last night. He took advantage of his matchup because Seth Curry could not guard him at all, you know. And Curry wasn't answering, you know, like he was a couple games ago when he hit like for twenty nine. So it was, it, it was just, you know, it, it's never one thing. It is never one thing. Okay. Yes, everybody's gonna look at Ben Simmons for not showing up. Um, you know, people are gonna look at Doc Rivers for not really, you know, uh, getting, you know, get, making sure his team is ready to, you know, really get after it defensively. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a combination of things that allowed, you know, uh, allowed this team, Atlanta, to not have not not only knocked off the Knicks, but they've knocked off the number one seed, you know, and they've got a legit shot 
you know, uh, of, of, you know, taking it to Milwaukee, you know. Um, you know, I remember when we talked last week, I said, you know, I was looking forward to that Nets-Philadelphia, you know, Eastern Conference right. final. And <laughs> made the Eastern <laughs> They both, I mean, Andrew, they both lost on their both, home court in Game yes. 7. Gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked. I couldn't believe that. So, but you know, that's you know, I said that's why they play the game. You know, the, you, you know, and that's why we love it. You know, that's why we watch. You know, we we want to see that competition, and you know, you expect the better teams to come out, but you know, the teams that actually executed and, and got the job done are, are the ones that are moving on, and that's you know. It, it, you can definitely say, you know, uh, you know, in terms of execution, that's what Atlanta did. I think, you know, with, with Brooklyn's case, I mean, it just came down, you know, they had the injuries, and it was basically one superstar versus another, and 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 you know, Milwaukee's superstar was the one that was able to outlast. I mean, and you know, give Kevin Durant all the credit in the world. I mean, I mean that that shot that he made to uh, put, uh, put that game into Tight. overtime. Um, right. You know, he, as I said, he was a uh, you know a. a a toenail away from winning it, you know, if he had hit the, you know, the three pointer, but that shot, any shot that he had hit on that would have been amazing. So it's just been, you know, you know, NBA playoffs is, is just so fun to watch every year. Um, I, I think it's too long. I, you know, my brother, my dad and I were saying how, you know, the first round really shouldn't be anymore. They should go back to, you, you remember how it was when it was uh, just five games. We were saying we remember when it was just three games. Uh, three but, games, yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's and I think that's how the uh, the 84 Sixers lost to New Jersey after they won the championship. They lost a three-game series. Oh, don't um, remind but, me. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's. I think the NBA season it's too long. I think the playoffs are too long. But you know, we're gonna watch. You know, and and you know, it was interesting. People are saying, well, you know, uh, you know, none of the big market teams are in. You know, except for maybe LA. Um, they're the only big market team that's left. You know, so but certainly, you know, in the East, you know, Atlanta's you know a market, but it's not New York. It's not Philly. You know, it's not that that right. Northeast market. So um, you know, but. That being said, you know, diehard, you know, NBA basketball fans, we're going to watch, you know, and, and it's because of, you know, the type of results that we've seen is, is what keeps us watching. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's, as you know, someone who loves soccer and someone who loves basketball, I mean, I'm in heaven right now because I've got a bunch of both sports to watch right now, and, and it's, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, and just to break down uh, and get your predictions on the uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals, we already saw Phoenix – uh, handle business at home in game one. Hopefully they get Chris Paul back um, in the game tonight. I'm not sure if he – I didn't see the update, uh, but they're up one game now against the Clippers. What do you see in that series? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't foresee. Uh, I don't foresee CP3 getting back uh, from. He's still in that that COVID nineteen uh, protocol, uh, but that's supposed to be ten days. You know, so I don't think that it's been that ten days yet. Um, so um, it's. Uh, it, I also want to see. You know, are they expecting Kawhi Leonard back? I'm not sure. It doesn't look like it. So this is going to be Paul George's. You know, this is the Paul George redemption, redemption tour this this year. I mean, it's going to be all on him. Um, I, I think that's a pretty even series if uh, Chris Paul doesn't get back anytime soon. I thought that, you know, it was interesting. I mean, you know, we, we, we know about the greatness of Devin Booker. Um, but, you know, they really struggled, you know, against a beat-up 
L.A. team when, you know, Chris Paul wasn't 100%. And so, right. you know, are they going to be able to ride Devin Booker for another 40-point triple-double? You know, is you, I mean, I'm not going to put it past him. I mean, the dude, you know, dropped 60 on somebody a, a couple years ago. Um, obviously, he can, you know, he's he's really blossomed into a, an excellent, excellent, excellent player um, that, you know, barely made the all, you know, you know quote-unquote, barely made the all-star team this year. Uh, but, uh, that is really a toss-up series, and I think because of the injuries to Kawhi Leonard and you know uh, CP3 being out, you're not really sure how that one's going to shape out. So again, it's going to come down to you know what are the role players going to be able to do? You know, uh, can't call that one. Can't call that one. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say, and some people say, advantage Clippers. I mean, advantage Phoenix. No, I'm saying it wrong. Advantage Clippers. If Kawhi's out and Paul stays out or something happens with Chris Paul, even when he gets back, he's out 100% or whatever. I think Phoenix needs Chris Paul more than uh, the Clippers need Kawhi Leonard uh, to to win, especially if Paul George continues to play. And, I mean, like you said, uh, when you look at some of the the, uh, role players for this team, getting it done out in the Eastern conference. You know, some people thought Milwaukee, some people did not say Atlanta, but they're both here. Like you said, it's a battle of a a city that is, has a lot of sports, but a lot, they don't tend to follow it in Atlanta um, against the Milwaukee team that their fan base has just gone crazy, but it's a small market. Who gets it done? Uh, (laughs) See, the reason why I didn't think Atlanta was going to get this far because I didn't think they were ready yet. Um, I didn't think that this was a young team. This was, I mean, yes, they, they started off the season poorly, made the coaching change, and I, they went on a run. But I didn't think they had enough playoff experience to make this long of a run, you know, to right. make this deep of a run. Um, Milwaukee's been here. You know, and I think they're ready to. Uh, I think they're ready to really take that next step. Um, as long as Giannis stays, stays very aggressive, doesn't settle for jump shots, doesn't you know start trying to prove himself to be a three-point threat. You know, really, I don't know that there's really a whole lot, like a Capella may be the only one that can try to stay with him. I don't see anybody really, if he stays aggressive, really stopping him. So I think this is Milwaukee's year. I, I really think that um, this is the year that they come out of the East um, and, and try to repeat uh, something that hasn't been done since 1971, and that's when uh, when Alcindor and Robertson teamed up to bring them a championship. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I I don't want to say they went out and get there out of default because they're a quality team. Uh, but I think you're right. I think Atlanta, you know, spent so much. They've had a, a great playoffs, but they might be still a year away. But let's not count them out. I mean, they have shown to be tough and and fearless. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm with you on the, the, the Western Conference. It's sort of a toss-up, but I would think that Phoenix would be hurts more if CP3 doesn't come back or come back the right way as opposed to Kawhi. They're still saying, oh, well, we it's game by game. I don't think he's coming back, uh, which would be her uh, big, big time loss for um, for the Clippers. Yeah, and he's brain is always, tough to come back from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, but good, big ups to them. They're the best team in L.A. right now. They, they're not uh, the best this year. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> no. Oh, real quick. Uh, a lot of criticism about uh, LeBron and maybe AD not playing. I don't know if they made it official, not playing in the Olympics. What's your thoughts? Is it sort of sour grease for them? Is it they just want to heal? What do you think about them playing or should they play? Well, I think LeBron's got nothing to prove on the Olympics. I think, you know, he's he's won it twice. Um, he's coming off an injury-plagued season that really hampered the Lakers this uh, this year. So I would be surprised if I see him actually suit up for the uh, suit up for the national team. Uh, Davis, uh, same thing. I mean, his he, even when he came back, he really was clearly not 100%. So it may be that he needs to take that time to get himself healthy. So um, you know, I would love you know I would always love to see you know our, our, our you know best NBA players playing for the national team in the Olympics. Um, but I, I think you'll see you have a better chance of seeing Davis play before you see LeBron, who's already won two gold medals. Yeah, and they, they do need to heal. It, it's going to be interesting to see how that roster shapes um, next year. Um, they yep. got some questions to answer, some free agents and some signings that they got to take care of on that squad. We'll see what happens. Andrew, I appreciate you, man. As always, you be safe. We'll call, get you back on, uh, and thanks for your time, sir. Thank you. Always good to have Andrew Dixon on talking about the game he loves, the soccer, and, of course, the National Basketball Association. This is the Best of News radio show. I'm not tired. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information.
Welcome back to the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network, WCON, Chapel Hill, IBM TV, and, of course, a Big Mind Entertainment where you can see the show on that channel on Amazon. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Uh, press 1 to get on the line. want to take some time out of my show as I'm getting some feedback here. Let's mute that if we can get Lakeisha to, to get the uh, echo in the background. wanted to take some time out of this show to introduce someone new with a new show on our network. We're very, very pleased and ecstatic um, as we continue to grow this network to have this young lady on uh, with her platform. Uh, of course, she is a a therapist and and certainly was on talking about black love and some other uh, topics that we've had and now she has her own thing prayfully it will uh, go the way we want uh she is lakeisha lewis vick no relation to michael vick uh lakeisha i never asked you that you know if you guys related to i have absolutely no idea to me (laughs) My husband's family looks a lot like Michael Vick, but I have no idea. Yeah, he does have sort of. I saw a picture of you guys on Facebook. He sort of kind of has that. He's definitely a big dude, so maybe it, it might yeah. be some Vick blood somewhere in there. Um, but I wanted to bring you on. You're going live and shortly uh, to talk about your new show, uh, Emerging Ease. Uh, thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for doing this. Talk about what the show platform will be about and um, what people could expect. Well, the focus of the show is going to be uh, completely about self-improvement um, from many different aspects. We will look from, of course, the mental health aspect. We'll look from uh, the physical aspect. We'll look from um, the aspect of what is what is it that you're bringing to the table that's either helping you or hindering you in many different areas. So it'll it's uh, overall a variety of things to kind of look at and and challenge yourself with, so that none of us are perfect. So we're looking for a way to be better. As 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 I'll explain on the show, I, I have a, several words I like to throw away. Stop using them, and um, we look at what what it is that we're looking for as individuals. Because everybody's goal for a positive, happy, stress less stressful life is, is totally different. You know, just one other quick question: When you you talk about self-improvement, I guess, uh, would that also include in your show self-help? Um, and you talk about the individuals. Is this a self-improvement to, to know yourself, love yourself, improve yourself in order to move on to a relationship or just to have better living? Well, actually both. But the main focus is to start with looking at better living. What does that look like for you? What does that feel like for you? Before you can go into any relationship, you would have to get self in a place to where you can even receive uh, in that relationship and give in that relationship and interact in a way that's not either draining for yourself or the other person. So it all comes full circle. 
Mm. All connected. Um, Before we let you get ready for the show, tell people um, how they can reach you and follow you, not just on the show, but on on your social media platforms and others. Um, You can email me at emergingeve at gmail.com. My Facebook is down right now. I don't know why, (laughs) but it's it's Mm -hmm. Emerging Eve on Facebook as well. Well, listen, sis, I, I appreciate you. Like I said, um, you got to knock it out the park. I know you will. God bless. Say hello to um husband and the kids, and we will talk with you in about five minutes. All right. Sounds good. Good to have her on. Uh, again, Emerging East, it'll be airing at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in. Uh, if you miss any part of this broadcast, make sure you go to our, our website, thebastardnews.airtime.pro. You can hear the rebroadcast of this show, her show, and other shows there on the website. Follow us on Facebook uh, at Pad Nation, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter, LA Bachelor on Instagram. And if you have any questions, comments, if you uh, want a show request, interested in advertising with us, hit us up at labachelor40 at gmail.com.
to promote my new flower shop. I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. Blog Talk Welcome to Emerging Ease where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy, and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. Hello, everyone. It is so awesome to be here today. Uh, This is my first segment, so this is kind of like uh, my intro, I guess, to kind of give you the focus of what we'll be talking about, some different aspects, um, who I am, why I am, and where I hope I can help you get to. As I uh, introduced in the intro, this programming is not meant to take form uh, take over for any mental health counseling that you're going to or that you need because we all need to talk to somebody at some time. Uh, so I encourage you to seek out a local professional uh, to address your mental health needs. I am an LPC out of Oklahoma and Texas. Um, I'm originally from Oklahoma, so I've been licensed there longest, ever since 20... 20- well, 2014, I became fully licensed, and I have enjoyed my experiences as a therapist. I've been involved with all kinds of populations. I have been able to um, successfully, and I, I say successfully in a loose form, uh, successfully uh, work in populations that are very difficult for some, for most, and I've enjoyed it. Because the thing about mental health that I enjoy the most is, for one, knowing that I am helping someone see a whole other side of themselves, that either they covered up with so much stuff they didn't realize what was underneath it, or to help them create a new version of themselves. Because sometimes our, our visions of ourselves is you. So, um, The reason I became a therapist is because I wanted to know why people do what they do. Now, with that being said and not wanting to know why, I went through, oh, goodness, all kinds of self-help books, all kinds of uh, sitting and talking to friends, talking to elders, and I could never quite understand why do people do what they do. I still haven't found out the why, but I am enjoying the journey of helping people identify their individual why. Because I have found, for one, there is no collective of why we all do anything. There is only individual motives of why we do these things. Um, As we go forward, I want to um, let you guys know that um, the focus of this program will be very positive focused 
No judgment will be um, induced by any questions or any guests that we have. Uh, it's all a, a forum to actually open up and let some stuff go, let, let some stuff unravel. And as you'll see, that's one of my favorite words is unravel. When we unravel the things that we have in our lives, we find out that the things that we usually saw as negative are actually strengths for us, very positive, very much positive. Um, I'll give you a little background about myself. Um, when I became, when I chose to move from nursing to psychology, my parents were not happy. As you can imagine, my parents were like, well, ain't nobody going to pay you to uh, sit and talk to them about their life, about their problems. And I took that as a challenge because they told me if that's really what you want, you have to figure out how to pay for it. So they did not help me with a dime of tuition. And with that, I think my parents knew very well the child that they had raised, and if I really wanted it, I was going to figure out how to get it. So I'm thankful that they allowed me to, to focus on finding my way. And I use that in all connection that I have with people. I encourage people to find their way. We can get down there. We can look at it level eyes, uh, your eyes to the problem. But then what are you going to do? Because you're the one living with it. You're the one that has to move forward from it. And that's where it comes that we have to really look at, what what really are we wanting out of life? Are you wanting personal peace? Are you wanting, well, I just want to get, uh, improve myself enough just to attract a certain type of mate? Are you wanting to uh, get into a certain type of career? Are you wanting to be a certain type of parent, a certain type of family member, a certain type of husband or wife? Just a certain type of person that just has a positive vibe about you. There's a lot of things that we all have to unravel. I encourage any and everyone, when you send in questions, know that I will not disclose your name um, because I believe that's very private. I will disclose the question and then allow other people to give feedback about it because sometimes that's where we find out, you know what, I never realized that about myself. From complete strangers, they can see things in you that you never recognized that you had or that was a strength. Um, once I went to graduate school, I began to really try to hone in on, you know, I, I think I got the therapy thing together. And the thing that got me to get over myself, because I had to get over myself, is one of our professors in a class, they required that you go to therapy. And with going to therapy, we, the future clinicians, get to experience what it is to be a client uh, in, in the seat. And, and divulging things to folks that we have absolutely no info about. And if your background is similar to mine, you don't talk about problems. You don't tell no stranger what's going on with you. And so that was such a difficult but rewarding uh, experience in my life because not only did I get to understand from the perspective of the people that would be talking to me in the future, but I got to understand the importance of letting go. We hold on to a lot of things that become toxic and hurtful to us, and then that toxicity and that hurtfulness, we don't realize that we 
reverberate those same things to others. We put out those same type of hurts. It may not be the exact same way we received it, but guaranteed if you don't deal with it, if you don't address it, if you don't put it out there and let it go, honestly, let it go, all five fingers have to be off of it, then you'll be bound to repeat it because you have that in your memory. And very much um, when you're processing things, yes, it's hurtful, but the, the relief when those tears come, when that aha moment comes, when that sigh of relief as all that weight falls off your shoulders comes, it's so awesome, so awesome. Um, I'll give you a quick uh, glimpse before I kind of go into some of the things that uh, I wanted to touch on today. We will talk about, just to give you kind of a, a, a meteor background, I guess, for lack of better words, uh, the things that we'll touch on as far as the, the topic is, for one, who who are you? That's what we'll start talking about today, self-love. Who are you? This is one question that I've asked people many, many, many times, and we don't know exactly what to say. Well, I can give you my name. I can tell you who my parents were or who raised me. I can tell you where I grew up but you don't know anything about yourself. You don't know anything about the, the depth inside of you. Or they're so scary that you don't want to adventure into those depths because they're bogged down with difficult memories. Um, so we will start to break through some of that. We'll talk about uh, thinking, the way we think about things, the way we think about life, the way we think about ourselves. Because the way we think, that's our talk that we give ourselves every single day. So if you're doing something and your whole focus is this is not perfect, this is not where I should be, this is uh, this is horrible, I'm, I'm not the best person, you tear yourself down more than anybody else outside of you can. And when you tear, tear down from the inside, that leaves but a shell. So then when you do go out and face the world, imagine all the stress that's going on and when it hits you, it hits even even harder and deeper because there's only a shell there. There's nothing on the inside to kind of say, you know what, I can absorb that and I can re- rebound from it and do better. Um, we'll talk about sex. Yes, I said it, sex, S-E-X. Uh, we'll talk about it from the traumatic side. We'll talk about it from the healthy sexual side. And we'll talk about it from the addiction side. Because there's all kinds of different uh, versions of uh, of sexual health, I'll say. Uh, we'll talk about um, things you can do to to improve yourself, to challenge yourself, to face fear. Another major thing that we all uh, face, regardless of where you come from, who raised you, or where you're at right now in life, is fear. We'll talk about the fear of success, the fear of failure. Uh, the fear of stagnation, we will hit all of those points. So when you have those things going on, um, how do you think that can be a limit? That that could stop uh, uh, the biggest, uh, most powerful engine is fear because our biggest, most powerful engine is inside of us. So when when that fear is um, is put in control, 
then we 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 kind of throw our hands up and we don't we take our hands out of the molding of how our life can be, and we'll hopefully move forward. Um, with with that being said, I want to kind of give you some um, words to kind of kind of mill over, kind of think about. Another thing that I will always tell people is uh, let go of the word perfect. There's no such thing. No such thing. Oh, just a side note, I'm very country, so if you don't understand me, because maybe you're from the East Coast, the West Coast, or a whole different country, please email me. I'll I'll give it to you in English, in regular English, because sometimes I can I can go off on a tangent. Um, the word perfect, please throw that away. Take that away from yourself. There's no such thing as perfect. No one is perfect. You are perfectly where you were supposed to be and who you were supposed to be in the moment. However, when that next moment comes, the person that you were perfectly uh, as right before in that prior moment, that person is no longer perfect in that same moment. Because when you never challenge yourself to, to move forward, to grow, then you stagnate, and stagnation is immediate. Many times we think of stagnation as uh, something that, oh, it takes a long time. It, it's, it's something that has to grow on me. The minute you choose not to move forward, you become stagnant. And then that's when fear gains more control. That's when fear is able to take over in every aspect of your life. Uh, that's when you'll start to look for and listen to other people to tell you, oh, is this okay? Am I doing this well? Am I, am I moving forward? Am I progressing? You know exactly what you're doing. You are the one that should be measuring your success. You know where you were in the prior moment in your perfection. You know where you can get to in this next moment of your next step of perfection. But you are only perfectly who you are in those moments. So with that being said, I want to give you um, – a quote or so. Uh, one that stands out to me is from Albert Einstein. A person who never made a mistake, never tried anything new. Get out in life. We are in such a time as COVID, and I'm going to tell you how it can be a blessing to many, not those that suffered from it, um, but those that had the time off and the time to be close with family and friends. Uh, and to have time to look at self. This was such a time that we had all the opportunities and still have them because some things are slowly reopening. Still have those opportunities to learn about yourself. Go out and do something you've never tried before. Paint on the sidewalk. Do hopscotch. Jump a rope or two. Walk up a couple of hills. Go meet some people that you never would have thought, oh, shucks, I would have never talked to them before. Try it, because if nothing else, COVID told us and let us know that time is not promised to anyone, so it's time for us to move forward. With that being said, we are going to uh, take a break. This is Keisha with Emerging Ease on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. 
everyone. Um, this is Keisha with Emerging again. Um, I want to give you a couple more quotes, and then we'll go into um, some things that I kind of want to just kind of put on your plate so you can turn those things over and um, think about them over the week. I always encourage people to have something to to do, to think about, to work on, to focus on when you're working out or just walking or trying to uh, meditate in the morning, whatever you do, some things to think about. Another quote is, uh, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. That's by Oscar Wilde. That speaks volumes in such a society that we are in now because many times we find that, oh, I really like the way that person does this or the way that person interacts with these people or the way this person presents themselves. But how would you do it? What would be different? The way you do it may be better, maybe the next big thing. But if nothing else, the way you do it is is how it fits best for you. So make sure not to put that extra stress and judgment on yourself when you're when you're looking at life. Also, last one, and then I'll move on to the self-love part. Uh, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but building on uh, the new. So with that being said, and that was from Socrates, when we fight the old, when we fight the things that we've gone through, everything that we go through can be used for our best, for our positive, for our improvement. Because if we've experienced something negative, we know exactly what we do not want to experience. We know exactly where we do not want to end up again. So take that information and apply it to where you are now. Now, what new can come out of that? Um, As I tell people often, the bad stuff you've experienced in the past, here's here's another country time quote, (laughs) the bad things you've experienced in the past are your fertilizer. And if you're not from the country, look up the other name for fertilizer because I'm not going to use it on here. Once you till that into the soil of your life, it therefore gives you nutrients to grow something new. So use that, those things from your past. I've used a lot of things from my past. I've experienced a lot of negative. Um, I think I touched a little bit on it when I was able to be a guest on um, L.A. Bachelor show. But just to kind of give you a snippet, just so you know, you know, you're not in this alone when we talk about things. Um, I've, I've survived. I don't like it uh, for people to use the word victim. That's another word. So let's throw it in the trash. I've survived uh, molestation. Um, my father was a an abusive person toward my mother, physically abusive, and he was a heavy alcoholic. Um, one of my favorite uncles growing up, uh, was a drug addict. Uh, those two, my dad and my uncle, were two of the catalysts that really pushed me to want to know why people do things. Um, I've experienced just all kinds of craziness that I put myself in uh, just by making choices without thinking through the consequences. Um, so no one is going to maybe have a story like I have But whatever you have gone through, whatever you have experienced that has been traumatic and difficult for you, you can push through it and grow and use it for the positive. All the things I just told you about, 
have had a positive impact on the way I interact with people, um, my career, my goals, the way I uh, raise my children. So we have to take those negatives and use them for our positives. I wanted to start everyone to kind of look at and think about self-love. Oh, shucks, here she goes. Yes, I'm talking about self-love. What does self-love really mean? What What is it? Where Where do we get it? How do you know if you have it? Uh, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Self-love is so many different things to everybody. Um, some people say it's um, defined as loving yourself or looking at uh, where your happiness is. And I prefer to say look at where where your uniqueness is. Everyone has some type of uniqueness. We're not carbon copies of each other. We're not little robots. So everyone has something about them that makes them quite different from others. Even if you are in a group of people that are similar to you, something within you is very different. If you think about your group of friends, for instance, every friend has a certain personality trait that that gives them their little puzzle piece that fits into the friend group. Um, in my friend group, groups, <laughs> plural, um, my, my uh, and I don't know if this is good, but I like it, my unique trait is my filter doesn't really work well all the time. And I enjoy that because it keeps stress off of me. Because when you can accept the fact that I'm probably going to say almost anything at any time or send you some kind of meme or whatever uh, at any time, then that means you can accept the whole of me. But until I got to the point to where I respected and appreciated uh, that that little quirk about myself, my uniqueness, I was in a, in a very unhappy place. And many times we are, as people, we get into these places of self-judgment and we put so much extra weight on ourselves regardless of what the world says, and we tear down those unique qualities those unique qualities, those unique traits about you are what make you you. Value them. Love them. Because really that's what where your energy focuses that you draw positivity in your interactions with other people, where you're able to communicate what what is it about me that's different. And, I should, and why not be okay with it? Why not love that about yourself? Nobody else, at least in your friend circle, has it, at least not the way you do. Um... Another question that I often ask people is, other than your name, other than where you grew up, who are you? Who are you? And if you don't know, that's fine. Because at this very time, you are in the perfect situation. I guess I do kind of use perfect a little bit. You are in the perfect situation to identify who you are and who do I want to be? Because if you're not happy with who you are now, you are never, ever uh, stuck in that situation, unless you choose to be, unless you so choose to be. Um, another question to kind of run through your thoughts as you're going through daily life, meditation, exercise, um, reflection. Uh, what am I looking for in myself? What I mean by that is, what are you looking to improve about yourself? What do you want to be different? Is it something internally that you want to challenge? 
Is it something externally that you want to change, that you want to improve? Um, what is it? It doesn't have to be anything big or huge and, oh, I want to go get three doctors by next week. Don't make it difficult. Don't make it almost impossible. And I remember I said almost because nothing is totally impossible. But make it something that's not going to overwhelm you when you look at self. Also, what are you looking for in others? As people, we have to realize we need each other. Because if you didn't need other people, you'd be a whole army of one and out here with the animals. But we need each other because my traits and my gifts are going to be different from those of everybody that I interact with. But what if they're similar? I have similar friends that have similar backgrounds, friends that have similar careers, friends that have similar personalities. We still help each other grow, and that's the whole thing. When we look at others, how are we helping other people grow? How are they helping us grow? What are we getting from those interactions? Um, And what are you looking for in life? Other than I want to be a millionaire or I want to have a certain house, I want to have a certain car, I want to wear a certain type of clothes, what else are you looking for in life? Are you looking for uh, some kind of way to feel as though – You're leaving a positive mark on the world for others to follow, for uh, your children to to walk in the footsteps of. What are you looking for? Um, Think about those things and challenge yourself. Ask yourself every day, you know, what what am I going to do to get to where I want to be for myself, where I want to be in my interactions with others, where I want to be in life? Now with that, don't 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 bog yourself down. Because even though today, excuse me, tomorrow is not promised, you can only do so much in a day. Don't uh, weigh yourself down with thinking, oh shucks, I gotta finish everything all at once right now. Because what that does is you don't ever get to enjoy the moment of whatever that success is. What if your success is um, one such as I want to do something better? for my health, let's say that one, because many of us want to improve our health in some way, shape, or form, or continue to build upon our health in some way, shape, or form. By putting all your eggs in one basket and you go and do three hours of straight workout, you're not going to get from a size 20 to a size 10. That's not how any of that works. It takes time. It takes consistency. It takes effort. When you don't want to do it, that's when you need to do it the most. It's the very same thing with all things internal, with the way you feel, with the way you think, with the way you interact with other people. But most of all, you have to love self first, and not just on a shallow level, but all levels of yourself. Fall in love with you. Find ways to, to love yourself. Find ways to to expound upon whatever you have as your starting ground and build upon that. Be the most magnificent person you can imagine yourself to be in all interactions. Um, With that being said, I want to encourage you all to uh, think about what it is that um, you would like to talk about, what you may like to hear about. Um, 
and we and I will incorporate those things into um, into the topics that we talk about because I'm just gonna say it out loud now. This is gonna be the, one of the most successful shows ever. So we're just gonna claim that now. Speak it out into the universe, and it shall be. And I encourage you guys to, no matter what day of the week it is, because the show will be coming out on Monday, no matter what the day of the week is, send me an email. Even just to chat, hey, Keisha, how you doing? This is what I've done today to do some self-improvement. This is what I what I chose not to do to not tear myself down. This is what I challenged myself on because we all thrive when, some, when, when one of us makes a success, we are all moving forward. And I want to encourage you in everything you do. Um, also, I'm going to reiterate, if for any reason you need to seek out mental health counseling, please do so. Do not be afraid of mental health uh, counselors. Um, there are, they are people that care, that want to be there to help you get to where you want to be in life, to, to a better version of you. And sometimes, the things that you have to unravel, it's best to do so with a person sitting right there, right in the thick of it with you. Um, and with that being said, you can always come and listen to the show, but still work through whatever your mental health therapist or mental health professional is having you to do. I want to do one more quote, and then I'll wrap up. What holds most people back is not the quality of their ideas but their lack of faith in themselves, you have to live your life as if you are already where you want to be. And that's from Russell Simmons. With that being said, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me on this intro of Emerging emerging Ease. And I thank you so much for uh, giving this space and time uh, to, to take something in and to grow. I'll see you all next week. Excuse me. Hear from you all next week. Thank you. This is Keisha with Emerging Ease on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please.